I hope this, this message series that we're starting in will speak life, breathe fresh life into you. Um, because, you know, the world has a way of beating us down. Life has a way of beating us down. Um, we live in a world that is broken. We live lives that have sin and that we contribute to, that we participate in, that infects us all. It's like a disease that we fight with. And so we do things that are stupid and we suffer the consequences. And so I want to breathe life into you for the next six weeks. I encourage you to come and be a part of this. And as much as you're able to come and, and just soak in God's word and let it speak life into you. Because everywhere you go, I'm going to imagine six days a week is not speaking life into you. Uh, if you go to your job, it may not be speaking life. If you go to uh, the fact maybe you go, it's wherever you go. You go home. I don't know what your home life's like, but it could be challenging. Sometimes you go home and it's like, man, I'll go back to work. You know, because I was, you know, my boss only yells at me so much, you know. So uh, anyway, the, we're going to talk about staying positive. Stay positive is the, is the series. And let me just say, this is not because, I'm not preaching a, a series because I want to be like Joel Osteen. I like the guy. He's great. got a great smile, great teeth. Uh, I don't have those smiling teeth. I'm not trying to be him um, because... You know, this is not where I'm coming from. Uh, if you like him, great. I'm not trying to put him down. I'm just saying, this is not where I'm coming from. I want to look at it from a, a, a purely biblical perspective on what God has to say. This, this morning we're talking about I'm optimistic. Now, we all have different personality bits. Some people are naturally optimistic, right? You ever <clears throat> somebody like that? Or maybe or who's naturally optimistic? Just kind of see the bright side. Anybody here? Please tell me you got one person. One person. Cole. Halfway. Ansley, that's good. Um, and uh, Chris, all right, so we've got it covered. We got, do we have one in the, in the third row there? Each row needs one optimistic person. Um, some of us, though, we're blessed with it with somehow, some way, either through our, the parenting style that we received or through our personality, whoever knows why. But we're blessed with a little bit more pessimism. And so when the Bible says, my cup runneth over in Psalm 23, we're like, the optimist would say, Wow, thank you, God, for blessing me. The pessimist is like, oh, now i got to clean up a mess. You know, that was a mess on the floor. Thank God for, you know, if I had to run over my cup. Thanks a lot, God. Um, so we just have a different way of looking at the world. And sometimes that, that viewpoint can be uh, detrimental, really, to our well-being. And it really can be detrimental to what God is telling us in the world. I'm not saying in this series that we need to ignore reality. Just be positive, stick your head in the sand, everything, you know, it's not the Bob Marley, uh, you know, every little thing will be all right just because we say so. But we want to not ignore reality, we want to embrace really what is true. We want to embrace reality even more, which is what God says about life. That truly is reality. And we don't always get that reality in our day in, day out life. We just get what's thrown at us through the world. If you... Um, if you, if you just live a few days or, or if you just open up your news app, you'll see every story seems to be negative. You know, every little thing. And then somebody, you know, rescues a cat from the tree. And there's like, there's about one story. Thank you. And then everything else is murdering children and all this crazy stuff going on. It's like, my goodness, I don't even want to read the news. You know, this world is, is falling apart. You talk to some people and, you know, the government's going, you know, it's falling apart. And the polar ice caps are melting. You know, we're going to have global warming, everything. You know, uh, we're just going to hell in a handbasket here. That's people's mentality. Um, sometimes we can get sucked into that and just think, man, the whole world is just falling apart. And there's a lot of things in the world that are unfortunate. There's a lot of pain and hurt. We don't want to dismiss that. 
But also, God is up to some things in the world as well. God is doing good things in the world. There are people that are actually uh, living in ways that are honorable and, and are glorifying God. And sometimes that doesn't get highlighted near as much. Um, the negativity seems to get more press. You know, the, the truth is, we often find what we're looking for in life. We often find what we're looking for. You can, you can see this, and think of it like two different birds. There's the, and this is not a scientific lesson here, so if you want to go look me up and prove me wrong, you probably can. But there's the buzzard and the hummingbird. This is just an illustration for you science people. Um, the buzzard spends all its day flying around looking for what? Dead things. Dead things. Flying around looking for something dead. And the hummingbird, on the other hand, flies around looking for sweet things, right? And you can choose to be a buzzard or a hummingbird in your life. If you probably, that's the only thing you remember from this message. And they're going to look up, that's not what they do. They kill things. Buzzards kill things. Whatever. So you can choose to be a buzzard in your life and look for dead things. And if you do, guess what you'll find? Dead things. You will. Because there's plenty of dead things. Even on the road, there's possums and stuff that are all played, right? And you come into squirrels in my backyard. I'm trying to make them dead because they're all they're eating up my chairs. But um, you know, so you find what you're looking for. If you're looking for sweet things, what are you gonna find? Sweet things. You'll find things that maybe are a little bit better. If that's what you're looking for, we often find what we look for. And I didn't just make that up. Look in your look on your page here, look in um Look on there. It says this, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. This is Solomon speaking. The Bible says he was a wise man, one of the wisest men that ever lived. He said, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. That's right. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. We often find what we're looking for. So when it comes to our outlook in life, what are we looking for? Are we looking for dead things? Or are we looking for sweet things? I mean, there's a chance maybe some of you are like, you know, I'm not even sure I like this message or this church or, you know, that people, sometimes church people can be interesting. Mike and I were talking about it, you know, the, the music's too loud, this is not right, this is not, you know, and, and we can start looking for all the things that aren't right, you know, you know, that, it's, it's kind of crooked up there, you didn't quite straighten the thing and you get distracted and you're looking for all of them, the misspelled in the bulletin, my word, what's wrong with these people, they missed a note on this, we can look for that or we can say, you know what, God, what do you want to say to me today? God, what do you, what do you, why am I here? And what do you have to speak to my life today? Because I didn't come here by accident. I believe that for each one. You didn't come here by accident. God has something to speak to your life. And so let's look for that this morning. Even though, I don't know that, I'll be optimistic. And I'll say this is my best message ever. But I don't know that it is. But I do believe even in whatever message it is, God can speak directly to you. And so um, let's look at this. What we're going to do today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And this is going to be more of a machine gun type of message where it's going to be a lot of points. I've got eight points from Romans chapter 8. So because of that, I'm not going to be able to dive in super deep. But what I want you to do is take this and feed on it during the week. If you don't have a place where you're reading in your Bible, if you don't have a Bible reading plan or something you're already doing, jump into Romans 8 this week. Jump into these points. And, and let your mind meditate on what that means for your life. But dive in a little deeper during the week than what we can cover this morning. See, we're, the point, and I already put this on there. I didn't even put a blank for you. I'm, I'm so optimistic that you'll get it that I just filled it in for you. And so um, it, says, it says here, I'm not optimistic based on what I feel. See, that's, that's a mis- mistake. We think we have to be optimistic because we feel happy. All right? there, there's some songs they sang when I was... 
a kid, and, and they have these little ch Christian songs. They're kind of corny about like being happy. There was one, and this this I'll do a Pastor Carrie because he's not here. Yeah. You guys know Pastor Carrie. Some of you guys do. He'll sing some old songs. I'll sing you an old song. All right, ready for this one? It, and I'm gonna I'm gonna guess. I'm optimistic that none of you have ever heard this. That's funny. All right, here we go. I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. Oh man, give me some. There you go. Dab that right there. All right. All right. I'm inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. No, I'm not. Are you? No. Who lives that way? Nobody lives that way. You know? I mean, like, seriously. We're not, that's not how we feel that makes us optimistic. All right? Someone punches you in the face. <laughs> Thanks. Praise the Lord. You know? No. Right. That's, that's no. It hurt. Right. You know, you're, you know, you're working on something hard. You've been working on your computer, and then the whole thing deletes. I worked on my paper, now it's gone. I'm inside, outside, outside, outside. No, I'm not. I'm pretty bad, right? Because there went my paper I worked hard on. But we can be optimistic, not based on what we feel, because we feel different things, and it's okay because you're a human being to feel different things. We're optimistic based on what God says. That's what we're going to look at today. It's not that we have to sign ourselves up into always being happy. See, I'm a Christian, I smile all the time. No, I mean, we want to be happy. That's not bad. But there are things that we face that cause us to not be happy, and that's okay. you got to know that. It's okay not to be happy. It's okay to experience emotion as a Christian, because God has given you those emotions. It's just a matter of what do you do with those emotions when you get them? How do you express them? Where do you take them? What do you do with them? Where does it go? You bring them to the Lord. God, this is what I went through. My paper deleted. What do I do? God, I want to strangle something. I want to beat my computer. I mean... What, help me. You know, have you ever prayed for your car or prayed for like weird stuff like that? You know, my car won't start. God, I lay my hand. You know, God, I'm angry. I got to get to work. But, you know, I mean, God's able. And it sounds kind of silly, but he's able to help us. Um, so here, here from Romans 8, eight reasons why I'm optimistic. And we'll, we'll take it in machine gun style and we'll, we'll try to do our best with it. So number one, if you're taking notes, you can fill this in. I'm optimistic because my sins are forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are forgiven, and my eternity is secure. It says in Romans 8, 1 and 2, Therefore there is now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. I'm optimistic because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what's the second part of that? It says, For through Christ Jesus... The law of the spirit of life gives you... Oh, you want the other blank. Correct. I got you. I got you. My sins are forgiven. My eternity is secure. Secure is the second blank. My eternity is secure. I don't know about you, but I've been... I feel like I've been forgiven a lot. And it still keeps happening. Like, God has to forgive me. I have to go to him because I keep making mistakes. But you know what it says here? That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to tell you this morning, if you're in Christ Jesus, God is not condemning you, but he's forgiving you. He's not like, that was the last one, Cole. I mean, the one before that was okay, but that was the last one, I'm done with you. <laughs> you screwed up, and you're out. God, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now, it doesn't say there's no condemnation for the whole world and everybody and all we just hold hands, sing kumbaya, and it's all great. That's not what it says. But for those in Christ Jesus, in those in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. So we have reason this morning to be optimistic. If you're in Christ Jesus, 
that he, he has forgiven you. There is no condemnation. Your eternity is secure. Number two, I'm optimistic because Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for me. Praying for me. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. You ever met somebody who they would say is a prayer warrior? It's like a church term. Oh, yeah. a prayer warrior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool when the prayer warriors are praying for you, right? You're like, all right. No. I was kind of feeling that. But this, you know, so-and-so. At my old church, we were out in Virginia. They used to, at the end of service, have a big church. thousand people plus. So they have all these people that were the prayer partners, or whatever they call them. Mm -hmm. And, and they come to the front, and people would, you know, thousand plus people in church, imagine somebody might have a need in their life, right? And so people come and they'll make lines. There's a little system to it. But, you know, certain people's lines got backed up. You know what I'm saying? Because people want to be in their line, you know? Because yeah. that's a prayer word. That's something that somehow, some way, it seemed like they're touching heaven with this. It's not like, Lord, touch him, help him, Jesus' name, amen. You know, it was like you know, they're, they're wrestling, you know, darkness here. And, and so people, there's certain lines are backed up. And then, like, there'll be a pastor. He's like, all right, here and that's open. They're like, no, I'm waiting right here. I'm good. I'm gonna go in this line right here. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm fine. Five minutes is cool. Um, but here's the thing. This verse says that Jesus is interceding for you. Amen. You're in Jesus's line, and there's no way he's interceding for you right now. Jesus is not like, dang, when's Todd gonna get it together, man? What's wrong with this guy? With Mike gonna finally. He's, he's interceding for you. He's praying to the Father. He's saying, this is, this is, my, this is my, uh, my, my son. This is somebody in my family. I'm lifting him up. This, this, is, this is what Jesus is doing for us. This is not just a line at church. We're waiting for the prayer warrior. Jesus, the one who's the living God, is, is, is interceding on our behalf. That takes a moment to wrap our brains around because we don't think of it like that. But that's what the Bible says. He's interceding for us. He is he is on our, praying for us on our behalf. Number three, my, I'm optimistic because my future victory is greater than my present pain. Amen. My future victory is greater than my present pain. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I'm not optimistic because I never go through hard times. Nope. I'm optimistic because what I'm going through now is doing something in me. God is going to sharpen me. He's going to conform me to the image of his son. Because my future victory is greater than my present pain. You may be in pain this morning. May it come here, maybe it's physical, maybe it's just internal, like I don't know what I'm gonna do, I don't know which direction I'm gonna take, I don't I don't have any direction, I don't have any sense of what's next, and there's a sense of pain in your life. And you might say, you know, it's easy for whoever's writing this to say that. You know, I don't know, it's the Bible, someone wrote this, was it Paul or you know, maybe he can say that, but you know, they don't Paul doesn't know what I'm going through. Well, guess what Paul went through? Um, I don't know. Was he beaten to a pulp, left for dead? Yeah, he was. He was shipwrecked. Have you ever been shipwrecked? I haven't. I haven't really been on a ship to, know, to be shipwrecked, but it doesn't sound fun. My son was capsized in Lake Michigan last summer, um, and he didn't appreciate that a whole lot. Um, 
But Paul was shipwrecked uh, several days and nights at sea, washed up on the shore. It says in the book of Acts, he got to the shore, they finally got, uh, you know, and then there's a snake in a bit. It's like, gee, God, thanks a lot, you know. <laughs> After you got shipwrecked for three days, now you let a snake bite me, you know. Yeah. So Paul, I mean, beyond this, thrown in prison, all the sufferings he went through, and he recounts that in his writings in the, in the New Testament, but Paul went through so much, and if anyone had a reason to grumble, my goodness, it would be Paul. And I'm sure he, he battled it, but most often he says, you know, all this suffering, all these things I'm going through, God is working it out for his good. And so um, it's not that we won't go through hard things, but my future victory is greater than my present pain. Um, God is working things out. So it says that it's not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. At one point, at some time, whether it's in this life or the next, there'll be such a, a an overwhelming sense of God's glory that we're going to experience. Mm -hmm. That everything, think about this, every hard thing you ever went through is going to seem like nothing. Mm -hmm. Every challenge, every difficult, every hurt, every pain is going to seem like it was nothing. That's what it's saying. The glory that will be revealed in us, to us, is going to be so great that we're just going to be like, that was nothing. Number four. My mind, I'm optimistic because my mind is filled with the peace of God. My mind is filled with the peace of God. It says Romans 8, 6, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. If you've been born into the family of God, you don't have to be dominated by your sinful nature. Your mind can be renewed, transformed, the Bible says by the washing of the water of the word. God's word can renew your mind so you can let go of those negative thoughts, those earthly sinful inclinations. Instead, have an eternal perspective. The song we sing, God, I look to you. Give me vision to see things like you do. Right? Our mind is looking from God's perspective, not our own. And when we do that, there's a sense of God's peace that fills our lives. Because we have a different way of looking at our situation. Philippians 4, 7 says that the peace of God will, will rule and reign in our lives. We have access to this peace of God that sometimes we don't always latch on to. But we can be optimistic because God is offering that to each, and, each one of us all the time. His peace is available to us if we call out for it. Just like my wife was talking about uh, Penny, our friend, going through this terrible battle with cancer for probably about eight years now. Mm -hmm. On and off remission, back and forth. Um, mother of two kids that are uh, my oldest two kids age. And her mind has been transformed by the peace of God. Mm -hmm. in, in such a way you're like, what in the world? Like how would you not? And it's just remarkable how someone going through so much difficulty can rise above and be a blessing to others in the midst of their pain. Mm -hmm. Because she has the peace of God that's that's ruling and reigning in her heart and her mind. So we can be optimistic because the peace of God is available to all of us this morning. Even if you don't feel that sense, God is offering it to you. Number five, I can be optimistic because if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Romans 8, 31 and 33. If God is for us, who can be against us? Pretty straightforward. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. 
you might be here and say, well, wait a second. I know who's against me. It's, it's uh, you know, Sally at work. You know, she keeps, like, dumping stuff in my coffee. You know, she keeps, you know, whatever. I don't know. You may have some. <laughs> that would be, be intense. <laughs> Call the cops or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, people actually are against us sometimes. Because you may, well, God's forcing. Well, I can name, like, three or four you know, people that are against me. I can give you a whole list. Or I feel like the whole world's against me. But that's not what it's saying, that if God is for us, then nobody will ever be against us. It's saying that if God is for us, what does it matter if this person is against us? What does it really amount to if so-and-so thinks that you're not popular or cool or great or whatever? You're not the boss. You're not the this and that. It doesn't matter. Because God is for us. Who can really be against us? When people criticize you, when they say... Why do you live like that? Why do you go to church? Why are you so passionate about God? What's that? What's going on in your life? Why are you all about that stuff? Why would you give your money to a church? Those guys, you know, they're corrupt. See, the, you know, this and that's going on in the world. You can say, you know what? It's okay. I hear you. But you know what? I know what God's leading me. I know what he's calling me to do. And that's, that's what I do. Uh, you know, the scary thing, if you might want to stop and think about this, is if you never have anybody ever against you in your life, Maybe that's not a great sign. And I'm not saying we're supposed to intentionally rile people up and be jerks. And obviously not. We're supposed to live at peace with all people as far as, as, far as it depends on us. But when God's called us to, to live differently, when God's called us to step outside of the normal culture, to swim upstream instead of with the current, there may be a, a couple times you're going to bump against some fishes along the way. Right? And they're going to say, well, why are you swimming this way? Everybody else is doing this. You know, everybody else is, man, they get drunk on the weekend. Why aren't you getting partying on the weekend? Well, I'm not swimming that direction. I'm going this way. Well, that's weird. Okay, well, fair enough. But that's not what I'm about. You know, why, why, why are you, why do you, you know, spend your time here helping over there? That's a waste of time. Most people don't even care. And why, all the things we can list. We say, well, I'm swimming this direction. And God, God's leading me this way. That's okay. You know, you can criticize me all you want. But this is, this is where God is leading me. And I'm going to go that direction. If God is for me. Who can be against me? When I was... At the old church, again, you know, it was called Word of Life. Um, they had a, a Christian school there. And my kids, Cecilia and Dane, would attend when we were there. They were littler, little guys back then. Um, and I, I remember, and Dane would talk about this so much, how he loved being this little squirt that could just roam around. But <laughs> big church. He's like, I'm going up to the youth room. You know, and it was like all these hallways and caverns. It was like like a corridors and and just walk around like I know this place. I'm going up, and then you know adults would see him, and if they didn't know who he was, like what are you doing, little man? You know, I'm going where my dad is. He's up in the youth room, you know. And so he kind of walked out with his, you know, his chest puffed out, and you know, I got this. You know, go warm up my lunch. Remember we used to warm up your lunches, bring the microwave and the leftovers, and all the other kids had to stay in the cafeteria and eat the little junk, and we warm up the great leftovers that your mom made. I'm sure. Uh, and. Uh, you know, we go, and it's this sense of like, you know what? My dad's here, and he's cool. I got like a free pass. And think about that. When God is for us. Walk through life. You know, God is for me. He's not against me. And the world is against me. They're saying this is stupid. That God is with me. And I can walk around and say, you know what? It's okay. You know, I can make it through this because God is for me, and he's not against me. Number six. I can be optimistic because, number, number six, God's spirit helps me in my weakness. God's Spirit helps me in my weakness. Romans 8, 24 to 26. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 
you maybe feel like you're waiting right now for something and God has not yet done what you hope for but we wait patiently because God is at work in the same way it says the spirit helps us in our weakness let's admit it we're weak we want to present ourselves to the world like we're strong, we got it all together. Look at me, I'm, you know, I'm Pastor Sheldon, you know, and I have four kids, and you know, you know, we all have weakness. And a lot of times we spend so much time covering it up, guarding it, pretending like, justifying it, defending it. But you know what the Bible says? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Our weakness, Paul had weakness. He talks about it. He had this thorn in the flesh that he asked God, take this away. I don't want to be weak. I want to be strong. Apostle Paul that always does everything right. God says, no, I'm not going to take that from you. But I am going to give you grace. And I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to be there with you in the midst of that. Yes. And God saying here to each one of you, in your weakness, I will be your strength. Amen. I will be your strength. I will be there for you. In that weakness, you'll realize I need something that I don't have. Mm -hmm. I don't have it. I don't have everything. I may have a few things. I might be good at this and this, but there's, there's this in my life. I can't get it together. And I need something that I don't have. And that, that answer is not another person. It's not another uh, uh, something to make me feel better. It's, it's the creator of my soul, the creator of, of this yeah. universe. That's what I need. The one who knows me more than anyone else. That's what I need. God allows us to experience weakness because it pushes us to Him. Now, it can push us other ways, too, unfortunately. You may have lived that story where you've kind of, in your weakness, sought other things. But I believe God's brought you here today because in your weakness, He's wanting to push you to Him. Amen. To seek Him. Amen. Amen? Whenever we're hurting, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Whenever we feel alone, the Holy Spirit is our friend. When we're weak, the Holy Spirit is strong in us. I can be optimistic because I'm never, ever alone. The Spirit is with me. When I'm weak, I, know, I get to know God in a more intimate way because it's His strength that carries me. On the bad and the worst day we ever have and never want in a million years, we get to know God. We get to know Him more in a personal way. Because, why? Because His Spirit is strong in me when I'm weak. I'm not optimistic because of what I feel. I'm optimistic because of what God says. Yeah. And you may feel weak, but God is there with you. And so you can be optimistic about your situation in your life because he's not going to leave you. Number seven, we're almost done. Two more. I'm optimistic because God is working everything in my life for good. This is good. Yeah. Get excited. Get excited. God is working everything in my life for good. It says this, Romans 8.28. If you've never memor memorized a Bible verse in your life, commit this one to memory. It's a good place to start. There's other ones in there, like quite a few Bible verses in the Bible. But you could start here. If you've never memorized a Bible verse, get this one. All right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. To his purpose. You know what all uh, means in the Greek language? It's the word pas, pantas. Who cares what it is? <laughs> but you know what it means? Each, every, any, all. All means all. All things. <laughs> it's deep, deep thoughts. Rest on it. So in all things means not some things, but in all things. In all things. 
God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. In the bad things, mediocre things, and the things you are glad about, things you wish would never happen, the things that are driving you crazy, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, this is not, again, it's not Bob Marley. Every little thing is going to be all right. Um, there, there's some qualifiers on this. It doesn't mean that everything is good. It's not what it's saying. So make sure you're getting this. It doesn't say God is making everything good. Some things are bad, and some things don't work good. It doesn't say, like, if you hate God and you hate about him, that everything's going to be fine. That's not what it says. So it's not everything's perfect, just smile, be happy. It's saying if you love God and you, you've been called, you feel his calling pulling you toward him, you want to live for his purpose, okay? I, I, would, I would say that's somebody saying, you know, I want to follow Jesus with my life. I'm following Jesus with my life. I don't always maybe get everything right, but I'm following Jesus with my life. That's what I'm doing. When you, when you set yourself on that path, God is going to work everything for the good. And so guess what? If it's not good, God's not done. Amen. Get that in your soul. If, you're, if your situation's not good, then God's not done. God is still working. He's still working it out. So if it stinks right now, guess what? God's still working. If it's not good, God's not done. You know, write that down. Put it on your arm. Put it somewhere. Put it on your face. Put it on your mirror in the morning. If it's not good, God's not done. Amen. God has got something for me. So if my life stinks right now, guess what? God's not done. He's got something good. Because this ain't good. So God's not done. Because I'm following him with my life. I'm serving him. I'm, I'm pursuing him. So God is going to do something. That's why I can be optimistic. Even though in the midst of this difficulty, and this is hard, I don't like this, I wish it was different. If it's not good, God's not done. I want to continue to follow him, even though this stinks, even though I don't like this. I'm going to continue to seek him and love him and pursue him and see what God is up to in this. Best example of this ever, Jesus' death and resurrection. Think about the disciples. Jesus dies on the cross. Man, this is this blew up our whole paradigm. This blew up our whole mind. What has happened? Our, our person that we thought was the son of God, that, you know, everything's going to, he's going to be bringing the rule of God into Jerusalem, into the kingdom. All this stuff now is just over, because when you die on the cross, you're dead. You know, that's normally what happens. And Jesus died when he was really dead. Like, his heart stopped beating. It actually, literally, they think his heart exploded because of the pressure of the cross. And if you go there, it's such a gru gruesome, nasty, disgusting thing. If you study that, I wouldn't even... Know if you want to, but it's 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 actually horrible. Jesus died for you and I, and everybody that knew him and loved him said this is terrible. But if it's not good, God's not done. Amen. So he was in the grave three days, and guess what happened? He rose. He defeated death. Amen. The the biggest thing. I mean, who defeats death, right? No, that's that's it. But he he rose again, and he says, you know what? The the resurrection life I have, I give to you. This is where faith comes into your life. I, I grew up in church. I heard this all the time. And it almost becomes, if you hear it too much, it becomes just like, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross and raised and all this. And, but I think sometimes we've got to hear it fresh in our lives. Yeah. What that means. Yeah. And we've got to decide, do I believe that? Do I really believe that? Like This whole thing is not just um, American culture. Like We come, people on Sundays go to church and they go eat lunch. And then they go home, and then that's just what you do on Sunday. But this is something that has been going on for 2,000 plus years. Yeah. Since Jesus died, 
and rose, and the people that were back then, real people, were following him and said, what? And this so transformed their life with the power of the Holy Spirit that this movement began in our world that transformed everything. We're almost half of all the people in the world today have some affiliation with Jesus Christ. Do they all know him personally? I don't think so. But they have some, some sort of impact because of what Jesus did. This is not a human endeavor. This is not something that just somebody made up. This was something that was supernatural, that changed a culture, that changed the Roman Empire. And it's still changing people's lives today. That's the power of it. It's not just we're looking back and saying, oh, that was really cool, man. That would have been awesome to be there. But we can stand up, and I, I can look at people that I'm talking to and say, you know what? Jesus changed my life. This, this one that died and rose again changed my life. He made, this is what I was. I'm looking at Mike right now. Changed my life, brother. It's real stuff, guys. And I, I just, I worry sometimes because I grew up in church and we just come all the time. And it doesn't mean anything. We just come and we sit down, we listen, we take notes, and we leave and it doesn't do anything for us. And that's not what God's wanting for our church. That's not what he's wanting for your life. He's wanting to touch you in your life and make a difference in my life. I I have more training than I need to do this. I'm just being honest with you. I have way more training than I need, and sometimes I don't act on what I know. I've been in church my whole life. I've I've got a master's degree in theology, but I don't always live out everything that I know. Right? You may have been sitting in church for a long time, and you, you maybe you grew up in church. Andrew's parents were missionaries. Is it changing us? Is it changing who we are? Is it causing us to live differently? God is working out everything in my life for the good. I got to remind myself of that. Because I don't want to be pessimistic. I don't want to look at my situation and see the grass is greener over here, so that's where I need to go. Because God leads us through things for a reason. Amen, brother. You lose your job for a reason. Yes. Because he's got something better for you. That's right. And he's right. teaching you something. Preach it, pastor. He's wanting you to grow up and trust him. Yes. It's a tough time, right? What a great timing. What a great timing, right? Yeah. But God is God is with you, dude. You're here for a reason. Amen. Both of you guys. I normally don't get super emotional, but I just feel God has a purpose for what we're doing. If we're not careful, we just get discouraged because we're not. I know for me, you know, it's I came from this church with thousands of people. You know, and here we are, and like, oh, well, what difference do we make? But that's not what it's about. Because God's working in us. That's right. And if it doesn't start with us, then where's it gonna go? That's right. And you may think, well, who am I? I mean, I just started walking with God. What do I Man, look at my past. Look what I used to do. Look what I'm still struggling with. Look at that. That's what God does. He brings people together. That's right. That have no business doing anything. That's 
Right. right? <laughs> and he says, you know what? I'm going to use you guys. That's, That's what right. the disciples were. Amen. People that had no business doing anything. Yeah. And he brought them together and said, you know what? I'm going to use you to change the world. Not because you're great, because I'm going to pour my spirit out in your lives. Amen. And I, I pray that for us, that God will pour his spirit out in our lives. Not We don't just have church. And we don't just hear about the Bible and, and whatever. We go on with our lives. But his spirit is working in us, drawing us to him, making us hungry to know him more. I know in my life, that's when I've been changed the, the most, when I'm hungry for God. Yeah, yeah. When I want him more than all the other things that I do. And trust me, I do a lot of things right now. I'm, I'm working here, doing the church. I got four children. I'm coaching two types of football, soccer and American football. I hope I keep them separate. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, we all have stuff going on, but we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord. Yeah. Finally, last point is this. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. This is where we have to rest our hearts. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. No matter where you go, God is there. No matter what you do, our God still loves you. No matter what happened in your life, our God is still there for you. You cannot run his love. You can't do something to cause him to stop loving you. You can't run away from his presence because he'll chase you down. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, some of you, maybe maybe you don't even know how you even got to this place this morning. You know, like somehow you made your way to this church. And maybe you've been in some ways running from God in your life. Maybe you, it's been a real overt, like, you know what, I'm trying to do my thing. And um, I don't got time for God. But somehow you're here today. God is speaking very clearly to your life. Hey, come back to me. I have peace. I have life. I have joy. I have hope. You're not going to find this in anything else. I'm your creator. I made you. I love you. Stop chasing the world. Stop going the direction of the world. That's not where life is.
He wants you to know that and feel that and live in that way. That every day you walk, maybe everything's not perfect, but you know that God has it. I'm following Him. If you're here today, I just want to give you an opportunity to take a bold step because I believe bold steps are the ones that make the most difference in our life. So if you're here and you say, you know what, I want to, without a shadow of a doubt in my life, get my life right with God. I want to know my eternity secure. I want my sins to be forgiven. And I want to, I want to follow him in my life. That's, I want to make that declaration this morning. I want to invite him to come into my life and fill me. If that's you, I want you to do something more. I just want you to stand up right where you are. Amen. Amen.